Thank you so much for being here. I know that the weather is not ideal, and in this area, we are all too familiar with hurricanes. And, uh, and so we've got Hurricane Ida that is uh, making landfall now or on the way there. And just a few things about that before we jump right into the word this morning. Um, we are partnered with Convoy of Hope, and uh, they are, uh, at this moment, they've got 20 staff members, about 23 um, trucks full of supplies that are staged outside of around the New Orleans area, ready to come in with relief and help. And because of your generosity, we were able to support that effort financially yesterday. And, um, and we already also, we put on a, a link on the giving, on our giving portal. And if you'd like to support that effort um, more, you can do that uh, personally. It's all set up there on our giving page. But uh, this afternoon, we should have more of an understanding of, of the response that we can have in person. And so we're hoping to gather some teams or, or either partner with other churches to head in that direction because we know what it's like to be on the other side of one of these big storms. Amen. And uh, we know what that feeling is like. And so uh, we're praying for all of our friends and family in that area. And we know that this is, um, you know, it's a really serious storm, but we know that God is able to keep them and protect them. And then I'm just praying that thing just falls apart. Come on, somebody, right? Uh, Ivan did that a little bit when it, when, uh, when it was making landfall. And so let's just pray that God would keep everyone safe and we're going to um, uh, do everything we can to help to respond uh, quickly and, and in a helpful way. And, and so we are going to just jump right into Romans chapter 12. We're on week three of our relationship series. And so it's uh, three weeks and each week. We were in Romans 12, but each week had a topic. Week number one was commitment. And so every healthy relationship in our life, every simple relationship in our life, is going to be one that involves, there's a level of commitment there. That's what makes a relationship a relationship. It's, it's I'm laying my life down in some aspect for you. And so we talked about that week one. And last week, after the commitment pieces there, we talked about communication and how we talk and connect and, and, and how important that is to relationships. You know, it, it's, uh, it, it's, there's really no way to grow. There's really no way to cultivate health in a relationship without communicating. You know, it's kind of when, when the, we talked about the whole, uh, you know, when, when we hit conflict, there's that, the, the reaction to the silent treatment. Maybe if we don't talk for a while or, or maybe if I just stop talking to you, things will get better. And, and I think there's seasons for that, but in the long game, it normally doesn't get better. And so communication is a vital part of every relationship we have, our relationship with God, our relationship with people. And then today, uh, we save the best for last, y'all. We save the best for last. And I'm, I'm, I know that this, this crew that's in this building right now this is the sanctified crowd, okay? I know that. Y'all are surely going to heaven. I mean, you drove out and, and you came to church this morning. So I'm not going to spank y'all too hard this morning because I know everybody in here saved and going to heaven, right? To get out in this weather. And so, but conflict, we're going to talk about conflict today. In every relationship in our life, if, if we're honest with ourselves, it has conflict somewhere kind of sown inside of it you know not, not that it's conflict all the time but every relationship that we've had for longer than a day there's been a disagreement conflict just basically means it's a disagreement we don't see eye to eye on this you like chocolate ice cream I like vanilla we kept chocolate in the house for a long time then we kept vanilla in the house for a while now we buy the little bluebell mini ones that have both in there 
You know what I'm saying? Like we found, you know, conflict is a part of every healthy relationship. And, and Romans 12, are, are, are where we've gotten the meat of our series from, the writer talks about conflict in the last few verses there. And that's where we're going to pick up this morning. Verse 17. So what do we do when we're in conflict? I don't agree with you. You don't agree with me. Things are getting heated. This is what the, the writer tells us. Don't repay anyone. Now, now, the Greek word for anyone, you know what that is? That's anyone. <laughs> okay. yeah, he, this, he is throwing a huge net. There's 7 billion people on the planet. They fall in that word there, you know, any, anyone. Don't, don't, he's saying don't react, don't, don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Verse 18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's a good verse there, y'all. If it's possible, right? And I'm glad he put that there (laughs) because with some people it's not possible. Can I get an amen, right? For some people it's not. It's not possible. But if, it, but if it is, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends. But leave room for God's wrath. Come on, right? God's going to take care of it. For it is written, it's mine to avenge, says God. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you're going to heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21, this is the last verse. Don't overcome evil by doing more evil, right? You're not going to overcome evil. Conflict's not going to be won by shooting back, is what he's saying. But overcome evil with good. So for a few moments, I want to talk about this conflict. This week, I was with some friends, and I asked them, what comes to your mind when you think about conflict? What's the first word? And I, we're, I had a little whiteboard, and so I started writing. And it was anxiety. It was disagreement. It was fighting. It was, uh, you know, we started naming different wars, international conflicts. We see that in the news right now, every day. It's right in front of us. So I'm writing, and it, it, was, it was these words of, you know, discouragement. When I think of conflict, I, I get discouraged. I don't like it. And I think that everyone, most, most people, majority of people, don't really look forward to conflict. Now, there's a few, like, alpha type A folks in the world, right, that they, 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 they just seek it out, and, and they, you know, it's, it's a part of their personality, and it's a part of their DNA, and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of in their makeup, or they've, or, you know, they've, they've come through a lot, and, and so they've, you know, they have a, a positive connection with conflict, but most people don't. And there's reasons for that, I believe. Patrick Lencioni, I talked about him last week, in his book called The Advantage. He, he's called in to big companies when they can't get along. And so if, you, if they have a board of directors, and you know a lot of times when you have a board of directors, you've got a lot of chiefs and no Indians, and they all want to go, you know, I want, let's do this or let's do that. I, I, I want to go this way. And, and so there can be conflict on boards. Or con- there's, there, there can be conflict when two people try to do anything together. And so he comes in and meets with these executive teams and helps them navigate through conflict. 
And his, his measurement when it comes to conflict is this. He says there's, the biggest problem with conflict when I, that he has found on teams is when the teams avoid it. That when, when, when you have a team, when you have a, okay, a, a marriage, a relationship, and, and, and the only time that we talk about conflict or think about conflict is ways to avoid it and ways to get around it or ways not to have a disagreement. He says, that's, he says that all is almost 99% of the time an indicator that something's wrong. And so he has this chart. I want to show you. I, I'm kind of a visual person. He calls it this conflict continuum chart. And so on one end, you see he, he calls it destructive conflict. I think the reason why we avoid conflict so much in our life is because most of the time it was destructive, right? If you've seen mom and dad fight when you were a kid, most of the time probably wasn't a positive thing. There was names being called. There was stuff being thrown, maybe. Uh, cops might have showed up. Who knows? But when we think about conflict, we think of destructive conflict. And that's on the other side of the spectrum where there's name. And we're going to talk about that. But, and then on the other completely opposite side, which is probably just as bad, is this artificial harmony. Right? That's, that's the person that's lived with destructive conflict so long that they just want to keep the peace. Jesus said we're called to... to, to to not keep peace, but make peace, right? And peace, you know, peacekeepers and, and peacemakers are different. And, and so if we have grown up with, or we've had a lot of conflict in our life, or we, you know, we, we can tend to just live in this artificial harmony zone where we just let whatever happens, happens. We don't want to disagree with anyone. Like we're almost, almost like a dog that maybe had been abused its life, and it, 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 its, its personality is almost constrained. It, it doesn't want to disagree because it doesn't want to fight. Because last time it disagreed or last time it stood up for itself, something bad happened. But in the middle, he calls it, right, like the, the, the middle, between name-calling and avoiding conflict like it's the plague, there's this middle zone, right, where we can disagree, where we can have a conversation and it doesn't go personal quick. We can talk about difficult things in our lives with the people that we love and it doesn't get personal all of a sudden that that we can agree to disagree come on somebody right like like we we may never agree on this but we can agree we disagree on it and, and but we can have conversation around it and so just very quickly i want to give you two things I want to give you a few things around destructive conflict and a few things around constructive conflict because it can be a, a very healthy thing in your life. I, I don't think we can grow without it. I don't think our relationships will be deepened without it. You know, it, you know it, and so no matter which side of the spectrum we may be on, we may avoid conflict in our relationships. We may be the person that, that just thrives on it and wants to call out everything. And, and that, so, so how can we get kind of in the middle? Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote a third of the New Testament, incredible, incredible person. A lot of what he wrote, y'all, was kind of just trying to get the early church to stop fighting. They had a lot of conflict. It was forming, right? This was brand new. And so the, the, this, this, this new institution was being formed called the church, and it hadn't existed in that form ever. And so, so they, there was some... There was some fighting happening there was some quarrels there was and I want to read just two verses to you because and there's a lot y'all I mean I, there's a there's dozens of verses on 
how, how, to, how to navigate through conflict. But I want to give you some examples of destructive conflict. James calls it right out. James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle with inside of you? You want something, but you don't get it. Galatians 5, again, talking about conflict, destructive conflict. My brothers and sisters, you're called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the whole law is fulfilled in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But this is what they were doing. If you bite and devour each other, this destructive conflict, name-calling, watch out, for you will be destroyed by each other. That's strong words. And so the New Testament, now this is not anything new. This is stuff that's been going on a long time. And even the, 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 the folks that gave us this book right here in the New Testament church that handed down the faith to us had to deal with conflict. And so I think, number one, just the destructive conflict, it criticizes the other person. That's that, what, how do I know if I'm engaged in destructive conflict? Because it's not about a problem or it's not about anything. It's about a person. Right? I mean, you can, in any relationship, you're going to disagree. There's going to, you, you want to go eat at Cracker Barrel, I want to go eat at La Hacienda, you know, whatever. Like, I, you want to make Mexican tonight, I want, I, I want American, you know, you want, you know. So there's going to be disagreements, but what happens is, is, is it can move into this, to this mode where now it's not even a disagreement, like, you're the problem. Rather than, we're always late when we try to go out and eat, we're always running behind, now it's, you're the reason we're always late. When we're trying to go out to eat. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking to anybody, but do you know what I'm saying? It, 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 it's personal now. It's not, well, we're, you know, we tend not to leave the house on time. It's, it's you're the reason we never leave on time and we're late. To, it, it gets personal. It criticizes the other person. It brings out the imperfections. It focuses on the person, not so much how do we solve this problem? How do we find a solution to this? Jesus talked about this in Matthew 7. I'm not going to read all of it, verses 1 through 4. But the last verse, he says something along the lines of this. He's like, you know, you're trying to remove a speck out of your, out of your brother or sister's eye, a small little speck. He's like, but you've got this plank hanging out of yours. And what I want you to see is, is, is pretty amazing. Jesus compares a critic to an eye surgeon. He says, if you're going to call out something in someone's life, you better, be re you better really know what you're doing, <laughs> right? You better, I mean, you, you better really, like, you know, think about an eye surgeon. How, how sensitive is that when you're, when you're doing work on somebody's eye? You know, 10 years ago during a hurricane swell, I got a piece of cor uh, sand lodged in my cornea. And I had to go to the eye doctor, and they, they numbed it, and they, they, like, held it open with these machines and strapped my head to this thing, and they took a needle, y'all. Okay, I, I was awake the whole time. And, 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 but, but listen to me. Jesus is comparing calling out something in someone else's life to that. Delicate, sensitive, very, very pinpointed eye surgery. And so if, this, if all the conflict is, is me firing bullets at you, are you firing bullets at me about my, who I am or something personal, then I know I'm engaged in you know, 
destructive conflict, it's probably time to move on. Second thing destructive conflict does is it always puts self and selfish needs at the center. Right? It doesn't give up. It, it doesn't let go. There's no, there's no middle ground. It's I'm going to get what I want regardless of what happens. Dr. Henry Cloud, he has a talk on the types of three types of people in the book of Proverbs. There's three types of people that the writer, uh, you know, talks about the most. It's the, the evil person, there's the foolish person, and there's the wise person. And so you, you hear over and over the writer of Proverbs talks about the wise do this, right? The wise and the multitude of counselors, there's, there's wisdom. The wise do things like this. And then the fools, foolish people do things like, you know, and then, and then the evil person. And so Dr. Henry Cloud has this incredible talk on, on the evil person, a foolish person, and a wise person. And he says when, when somebody is, is, is an acting evil or, or being evil, he told a story about, a, again, another meeting. It was a, it was a board, and, and this, this disgruntled board member was so mad and was not going in the direction the company was going. And he got up and he says, I'm not going to quit until I bring this company to the ground. Got up and left the room. So that's somebody that he may not be evil, but that's kind of acting evil, right? Threats and... And according to Henry Cloud, the only way to communicate with a person like that is through guns and lawyers. That's, that's what he, because when, when somebody's in that mode, and, and that happens, and, and this is the beautiful thing about it, at the end of his talk, we've got all three inside of us. I know that I'm not an evil person, but buddy, I can get mad, y'all, okay? I, I can say things that I, I know that I shouldn't have said, and it comes out, and I'm like, wow, did I say that? You know, I mean, I think we all have moments where we can get so mad that we can be that person. Where the only way to win is if you lose. That's destructive conflict. That's the third thing. It only stops with personal victory. And when I'm in that, and when I'm engaged in that, I know it's destructive conflict. This is, this is, this is hurting me. This is hurting the other person. What do we do? I mean, there's, there's several things. I think, you know, bib biblically it talks about if somebody's acting that way or, you know, there's, there's separation. There's, you know, maybe it is time to move on. That board member that got up and said, I'm going to bring this company to the ground. Maybe it was time for him to move on and find something else to do. I don't know. You know, you know so there's all these different aspects. But I don't want to focus on destructive conflict because we all know what it's like. We've all felt it. Most likely we've all experienced it. I want to look at the constructive conflict because this is what we have to have in our relationships in order for them to grow. This is what we have to have in our organizations or whatever you do or lead in order for it to grow. We have to be able to disagree and commit. We have to be able to talk about serious things and serious topics and even have really serious disagreements and not go, on the, go to the personal attack level. Proverbs 27, verse 17 is really the verse I want to use for this. He says that the writer says, iron sharpens iron. So, so how do we grow? How do our relationships get better? How, how are we discipled in our faith? Iron sharpens iron. One person sharpens another. And I want you to think about this for a moment. You know, I don't, I'm not an iron smith. Is that a word? I, I, a blacksmith. I'm not, I don't work with, I don't know if that's a word, y'all. It's, uh, but I've watched videos of it. I've gone to some shops where they work with metal. I, 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 don't, I don't have that gift. 
but I do know walking through a shop where they're working with metal, I mean, they're beating on it. They've got hammers. They're sticking the iron in the fire, <laughs> getting it smoldering hot to the point where if, if I didn't know what I was looking at, I would think that that ironsmith or blacksmith, I'm sorry, was trying to destroy that piece of iron. I mean, he is wailing on it. I mean, I mean they got to wear protective gear because it's so, there's so much pressure happening. There's so much, I mean, just, just, if you walked by and looked at somebody beating on a piece of iron, you wouldn't be able to tell if it was destructive or constructive. And so I think there's a few keys to constructive conflict. How does God sharpen us in our faith and our relationships? I think the first one is this. Here's the biggest difference between destructive conflict, the bad stuff, and the, and the good stuff. Constructive conflict is always, it requires trust. I trust this person. What is trust? Trust is the track record. I'm going to sit down with you and I'm going to let you call things out in my life because I trust you. Because their track record up to this point is you've been right. <laughs> and you've been faithful. And you have spoken into my life in ways that I know it wasn't selfish. I know that you have more than just your needs in mind. I, I trust you. And when there's no trust, listen, this is the biggest difference in, in constructive and destructive conflict. When we stop trusting the person is when it normally gets personal. Is when it normally the attacks come. It's when normally when, when the real, the, the negative and the, the, un, the, the, the icky stuff begins to creep in because it's eroding at that trust muscle. We all have it. And what I'm learning is a trust muscle can be, can be hurt by an uncle or a father or a brother or a sister. And that, that trust muscle it, it can get hurt and it's going to affect you in your relationships over here too not the one that it was heard in. And so this takes time. This takes vulnerability. Constructive conflict is being willing to be vulnerable to someone and with someone. And that's hard to do. That's really hard to do if your whole life has just looked, at the, looked like the first three I just explained. Destructive conflict. It's been name-calling. It's been battles. It's been personal. It's been, it's been tough. And so I think this whole faith walk and this whole faith journey is about trusting God. But at the same time, as we trust God, he's going to bring people into our life that we can trust. I want to talk to somebody this morning that maybe you've never had anybody in your life that you could trust. I meet people like that. Couldn't trust their upbringing couldn't trust it. I mean, they just felt like everybody has betrayed them. Everybody just kind of used them. I, I, I hear that a lot. And I want you to know that that's not how God wants you to live. And I don't believe that's God's will for your life. And, and sometimes it's really hard to trust somebody again. Sometimes it's really hard to open back up our, our life to someone, especially if, you know, they, we gave them our heart and maybe they didn't do something nice with it. I don't know. But trust is the, is the core of constructive conflict. I trust you, you trust me. New Testament church, it was, I'll lay my life down for you. And they meant it. 
I'll give everything for you. That's what Jesus, that's the kind of trust he calls us to. He says, I, 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 not only do I, is it his message, it was his model. Never met a king that was willing to lay his life down for the, for the people that, that served him, but that's the model, y'all. And, and it can be so hard. Any kind of true love and true trust will always require vulnerability. That's the cross. Think about that image. Arms open. It's vulnerability, and it's hard to do. But that's what God has called us to. We have to trust. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So I want you to see this. There's, there's, there's going to be healthy relationships in your life. The healthiest ones will normally be the people that will call out your stuff. But it's not from a place of I'm better than you. It's from a place of this L word called love. And I want the best for you. Not I'm better than you. I'm just calling stuff out in your life because I want to make you lower than me. No, it's I love you and I want to, I want to help you succeed. I want to lift you up. Wounds from a friend. Somebody that will tell you, call it out like it is. We need that in our life. But where is it coming from? Is it a posture of humility? Is it a posture of I want the best for you? So healthy conflict is always rooted in trust. The second thing, constructive conflict puts the needs of the other person at the forefront just as much as our own. And so it's, it's mutual. It's not just one-sided. It's not I just I want to get what I want and out of this and, and then when I get what I want it's over it's no I'm serving your needs and you're serving my needs one of the greatest pieces of advice that I've ever been given when it comes to to, to marriage advice and healthy marriages how what do healthy marriages have that maybe other ones don't and it's they know the needs of the person that they're hitched up to they know their needs. Now, we all know our own needs, personal needs, right? I know what I need. But when's the last time you asked your spouse, what five things can I do for you that you, that, that you need that I can, I can give to you? I asked mine like it was last week, all right? So, yeah, so they, like, I'm not telling you, I've been doing this for 25 years now. Hey, no, no, I, I read that and I thought, man, that's good. And, and, and so I, you know, and, and you know, one of them was wash the dishes. So I washed the dishes yesterday, y'all. Okay, I mean, I'm trying, you know. So <laughs> I'm gonna pat myself on the back. No. But yeah, but 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 what are? <laughs> I mean, we're on this whole. I mean, the days that end in why she washes them, and then that. No, I'm just I'm kidding. No, no. But what are your needs? What is the person that I'm in this conflict with? How can I serve their needs? If I don't know them. And a lot of times we don't even ask that because we're so fixed on what we want out of this relationship. We're so fixed on what we need. Five things. How can I serve your needs? How can I, how can I, how can I understand what you're going through as well? Two weeks ago, we, uh, we were able to take a trip to Orlando. I'd never been to Disney World. So I, we took our son, he's five, we took him to Disney World, pretty awesome, a lot of lines, 
really hot. Uh, you know, Mickey's not, Mickey Mouse isn't doing any personal, like, coming out. They, they were driving him around on trucks and boats and stuff. And, but we're in line at Disney World, 130 degrees in the shade. You know, and I'm, I'm with my son, and I'm thinking, you know, wow, this is, this is cool, but, <laughs> well, he's crying. You know, we're in the line for, for It's a Wonderful Life, and it's so long, it's outside, and he's crying, and I'm, and I'm like, I'm a, I'm a little upset. I'm thinking, we are here in Orlando, we, you know, for you to, to, to have this cool experience, and you are complaining about the, you know, the line. And so I had to have a, you know, heart-to-heart with him. So I squatted down, you know, I got close to him, and then I looked around, and I realized why he was crying. Because <laughs> all he was seeing was booties and armpits. <laughs> okay, I'm for real. And I mean, when I got down there, I thought, this is why he's crying, this is not where I want to be, you know, I mean, so, but I, hey, y'all, I didn't know, but it took me getting, you know what I'm saying, it took, I had to get down and see what he was seeing, y'all, I had to get down and feel what he was feeling, smell what he was smelling, <laughs> and then, I, then it made sense. Picked him up, put him on my shoulders, you know, and it was, it was good. And constructive conflict will always require humility. What does that mean, getting down like that? Humbling yourself, lowering yourself. That's humility. That's what Jesus modeled. It was the last thing he wanted to show his disciples before he left. He said, all right, y'all, we're not going to have this big party. We're not going to go to the temple and, and have a big throwdown. I want, I want just my crew, my closest relationships with me in the upper room, and I'm going to get down and I'm going to wash y'all's feet. Even the betrayer, the betrayer betrayed Jesus with clean feet. And he knew exactly what he was going to do. No question at all. And so constructive conflict, listen, it... Philippians 2, verse 2, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded. How? Having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others. Well, above yourselves. This is hard, I know, y'all. But constructive conflict will be rooted in humility. What does that look like? I want to just give you a few things, not in your notes. Craig Rochelle wrote a book called From This Day Forward, really short book about how to have a healthy marriage, what to do after you say I do kind of thing. And this is what he describes healthy conflict as looking like. Healthy conflict never puts it off till tomorrow. Don't go to bed angry, right? We have a disagreement. Let's disagree till the sun comes up, but we're not going to sleep on it. Never call names. That, that's humble. That's humility. That's, I have a million names I could call you. Come on, so right? Right? And we're not, I'm going to leave the your mama jokes for later. I'm not going to pull, you know, I'm not going to get personal. And I'm never going to call names. Never shouts at one another. That's, that's humility. That's healthy conflict. Never gets historical. Ladies, no, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> that's a joke. Y'all have incredible memories. It's amazing. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I can't remember what I ate like, you know, this morning for breakfast, but uh, ne- never uses threats. 
That's good, y'all. Never use his words like never and always. <laughs> you never take the trash out. You never wash the dishes. No, I'm just kidding. You always. And then the, the most important thing, never quote your pastor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so that, that's the most important one, all right? It always takes a high road. And here's the last one, and then we're going to pray. Constructive conflict. What does it do? What does it look like? Well, it doesn't fight the other person. doesn't criticize the other person. It realizes that whatever this conflict may be, the battle is not the person. Constructive conflict always fights for the greater good, not personal victory. Because there's going to be times in your relationships where you're going to have to find some kind of common ground and you're not going to get everything you want. Can I get an amen? There's going to be some compromise involved. There's going to be some, okay, we, we, what is the greater good? How do we get to the point where it's a win for you, it's a win for me? How, how do we stay at the table when we're communicating? It's, it's, it's fighting for the greater good. And I want you to hear this as we pray, and we're, going to, and we're going to close. No matter what your relationships have looked like up until this point, I don't care. Every one of them could have been just one bad experience after another and those affect us i do care on that end on how it impacts people but i do know this no matter how bad it may have been up to this point god has a greater good in your life for your relationships for your marriage for your family and I think that the way that he lays it out for us, if God created relationships, because he did, if he designed them, if we can do them his way and let him define them, he can make them all work. I don't know how he does it. I wish I could just give you the schematic on it. But at the beginning, verse 1 of Romans 12, and we're going to land the plane here, it starts with laying our lives down. It says, I want you to just lay your, your everyday life down, your relationships, your marriage, your relationship with the, your family on the job. I want you to surrender them all to me and watch what I can do with them. And that's what I want to end with. And I think that if you're here and you've been engaged in some destructive conflict and it's starting to bother you and it's starting to affect you, I don't think constructive conflict can exist if we don't participate. And at some point, I think we got to take a step back and say, okay, God, I've tried it my way. I've tried, I've tried working all these things out in my own strength. Lord, I need to, I need to give this to you. Because I think the first place, we talk about a God that heals. I think the first place and the most important place where we need healing in our life is in our relationships. Because every part of our life, every other part flows from there. And so this is what I want to do. I just want you to bow your heads and we're going to, we're going to pray. And I want you just in your own mind right now, think about the relationships in your life, the ones that are the most important to you. Think about that person. Maybe they're with you. And so Lord, we just ask, God, we invite your spirit into every one of our relationships. We ask that 
even right now as David prayed, will you, will you search my heart, God? Is there anything in me? Have I been engaging in some destructive conflict? Have I been saying things I shouldn't say? Have I been shooting words at people I probably shouldn't be? Have, have, have my words been used to tear down somebody? So, Lord, we just come to you and we ask for just this fresh, God, infilling of your spirit in our life. But this fresh, God, this new life in our relationships, that they would thrive. I just pray that over you right now, that every relationship in your life would thrive, that God would just bring new life there, that, that, that sometimes even... We go through pruning and sometimes, you know, relationships don't look maybe the way we thought they would look, but there's this hidden life. I'm just... So, Lord, you said that, that you're the vine, we're the branches. And if we stay connected to you, that life will flow in us and that life will flow into our relationships. And sometimes a healing in our relationship comes when we take a step to you. And so, Lord, that's what we do this morning. Help us to stay so connected to you, Lord, that your life is flowing through us, and that's the life that flows out of us. Into the people we love, into the people that we serve, into the people that we lead. God, let it be your life. We didn't create love. We can't make love. We can't manufacture love. You are love. We need you, Lord. You, it's, it's surrendering to you. And so, Lord, we just ask for that love to just pour through us all. You said love never fails. Love makes a way. Love always prevails. Lord, that's what we ask for. That's what we believe for. We just thank you so much. Just in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.